0: Well, good morning and welcome to our services here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church here in the Dalles, Oregon. We're glad for those who have joined us through Zoom. We're glad for those who will join us through Sermon Audio. We're glad for those who are here today, our friends, our family. We're going to be going to the book of Numbers chapter 13 this morning in our continuing study of the book of Numbers, the gospel according to the book of Numbers, and on your way there, I would like uh, you to keep your finger there, but I'd like you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a verse of scripture that I'd like to read that has so much importance in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at today. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Second, 1 Corinthians, excuse me, First Corinthians chapter 3, verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, excuse me, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is, as is common to man, but God is faithful, that's the title of my message today, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now this phrase from this verse of Scripture is a passage or a thought or a phrase that is contained in so many verses of Scripture, passages of Scripture throughout the Bible that share with us this, this wonderful quality that the church depends on. God is faithful. Alright, turn with me back to the book of Numbers if you would the book of Numbers, there in chapter 13 of the book of Numbers, and we're going to read a large portion of this scripture, this passage of scripture this morning, and uh, we'll make a few comments as we go through it, but we truly would like to look at some verses that share with us that God is faithful in the seemingly tragedy that took place in this passage of scripture. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, now this is... This is a message that the Lord is going to give to Moses. Moses is going to share it with the children of Israel. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers. Ye shall send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were the heads of the children of Israel. Now there's a phrase in this verse 2 that I want to repeat here as we continue on in reading this passage of Scripture. It says there in verse 2, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. God says, I give it to them. All right, now let's down here. In verse 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 are the tribes are listed, and the individual that was chosen uh, to go in to follow this commandment that Moses is going to give them, Uh, their names are mentioned here, and I want us to remember that these people are all cousins I don't know how close the cousins they may have been, but they're all related to Abraham. They're all related to Isaac. They're all related to Jacob. They are members of the 12 sons of Jacob, of Israel, and they have a relationship. They've been born in this relationship, and probably from outside appearance, they all look pretty much the same. Uh, And then we notice here in verse uh, 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea the son of Nun, Jehoshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountains, and see the land, what it is, And the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, just keep in remembrance what we just read there in verse 2, that God had promised to give them the land. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes so they went up and searched the land which uh, from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as men came unto hamah and they ascended by the south and came into Hebron where Ahaman and Jeshuaia, uh, Ai, and uh, Talmai, and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Eskol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought the, uh, of the pomegranates and of the figs, and the place was called the Brook of Eschol because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Now the instructions that Moses give them, if you follow this as best we can, we find out that they were asked to go in and look at a, quite a section of this property, this Canaan that had been given to Abraham. And that they uh, were to go in there and Uh, God had said it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. But Moses brings up, take a look at it, see whether the land is good or bad, whether the cities are tents or whether they be strongholds. He goes back and forth and shares quite a few things here about what to look for in that land. And they came back after 40 days of being in the land, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. You know, I just can't uh, help but think that when uh, word got back that these spies were back in camp, how people just gathered because they were very interested in wanting to know what these people had to say. They were over there in the land that the, they were headed for. They wanted to know what kind of land it was, what it looked like, what kind of fruits, what kind of uh, terrain it was. All that information about what they were they planning on making their home, and. Uh, It tells us there, uh, we came into the land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and that the fruit of it. So they've taken a uh, look at it, and they've noticed these words that are commonly used with regard to the description of this land, and that is, it floweth with milk and honey. Now that just means it is a good land, it is an abundant land, it has many high qualities. Nevertheless, we find in verse 28, They bring up this word, nevertheless, nevertheless, Uh, uh, they they just have this doubt in their minds as they bring up this subject and said here, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But all the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that saw it uh, in it, and are men of great stature, and they There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. Well, it doesn't end here. We don't have time to read chapter 14 to go along with this, and we'll do that in the future, but we just notice the plight that the children of Israel are in at this time. Now, if we If we look at those who went in to spy it out, we find that there were ten that came back with a report that God is not faithful, that God cannot accomplish what he said he would do. Now, uh, God has often declares that he is faithful, and when it comes to this Canaan land, there are a number of verses of scripture that share with us what God has said about the children of Israel and the possession of that land. Now, I just want to make it clear, it's going to be the national Israel, and God is going to put that in a in a way that uh, he says you can have it for eternity, it's yours forever, this is what you have to do in order to keep it, and then we find out even after they went in, under Joshua, they were like they were all the way through the wilderness, they just could not keep what God required. Now, From Mount Sinai to where we are at this point in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, as just over on the other side here, we can look into Canaan. From this point back to Sinai is about 150 miles. Now, we may think that that's a lot farther if we're going to have to travel by foot, but 150 miles they've traveled from Mount Sinai, approximately that, from Mount Sinai over here to where they are, and it may have taken them a month or two, But we're going to find out that they're going to wander in the wilderness for another 38 years over this one incident. They are so close and yet so far away. Well, let's look at some of the verses of Scripture that share with us that God's word about the land, these Hebrews, are uh, right next to. These verses share with us what happened upon the return of these ten spies. It was just as normal as the sun coming up. We're going to see that because these, these ten did not have eyes to see, ears to hear. They could not understand that God was absolutely going to deliver them from all the problems that were there, just like he said. Well, join me if you would as we look at a few verses of Scripture that do share with us that God is faithful. When God brought up this issue many, many, many years before this, he shares with us as he cha- shared with Abram. He wasn't even called Abraham at the time. In the book of Genesis, chapter thirteen. In the book of Genesis, chapter thirteen, we have here a passage of scripture. Two verses we're going to read uh, in Genesis thirteen, verses fourteen and fifteen. The Lord said unto Abram. Now, this Lord, if you notice in your uh, in, in most translations, it's capitalized. All letters are capitalized. This is Jehovah. The Lord, or Jehovah, said unto Abram, After that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, this is a promise that God made to Abraham. He's Abram at the time. Abraham will be coming along. Now, we find in the scripture that by faith, Abraham. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it also tells us there in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews that without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right, let's follow this theme for a few verses of scripture here through the Old Testament and find out that God has promised time and time again, and every generation has heard this promise. All of the generations of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the twelve tribes, and those that have followed have heard these words. It is part of their history. It is part of their culture. It is part of what they've been hanging on to. All right, now turn with me to Genesis chapter 24. In Genesis chapter 24, and verse 6, we read here, And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that that thou bring not my son thither again, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. Now, this is the instruction that Abraham gives concerning his son Isaac and a wife. For her. Don't get anybody from around here. Go back home, and there will be the right person there. And it tells us here in this verse seven: unto thy seed will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee. So the land has been promised by God. Abraham brings this up when there is the need for a wife for his son Isaac. All right, let's follow this a little further as we find in Genesis chapter 26. In Genesis chapter 26, this again is brought up, it's not something that is just here and there, but it is throughout the Old Testament, in the early books particularly, about this land that God has promised to give to the children of Israel, from a nationalistic standpoint. It tells us here in the book of Genesis, chapter 26, verses 1 through 3, and there was a famine in the land, Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down unto Egypt or into Egypt; dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. And I'll perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. I made a promise to Abraham. And now we're going to have this promise is going to be passed on to Isaac. The promise is going to be passed on to Jacob. And the promise is going to be passed on to the twelve sons of Jacob. So as we follow this through a little further, join me in the book of Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, again the subject is brought up. God has made a promise. God has made a promise to Abraham, a covenant. God has made a promise with Isaac. God has made a promise with Jacob as we follow this out. In Genesis chapter 35 and verse 10, the scriptures share this. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee will I give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So once again, we have someone else in the line, the covenant line of God to man Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, who is going to be Israel. This message is brought up, and is continuously brought up to these people. It's part of their life, it's part of their heritage, that this is what they're going to get. Alright, in the book of Genesis chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, we read this passage of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 50, we read chapter 50, verse 24 through 26. It says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you. Now, this is one of the sons of Jacob of Israel. Remember, he's been sold by his brothers, sold down into Egypt. Now he's very much in charge of what's going on in Egypt. He's in charge of the storehouses down there. And it tells us that he's about to die. I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, there's nothing said that he was put in one of those great pyramids. There's nothing said that he's even buried. He's been put into a coffin, and that coffin is going to be here for over 400 years, waiting for the promise, the promise that the children of Israel made to Joseph about what to do with his bones. Now, let's follow this through just a little bit. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 13. 400 years have transpired. The children of Israel have become slaves down in Egypt. They still are the children of the 12 tribes, the 12 uh, children, sons of, of Jacob of Israel. And here in the book of Exodus chapter 13, Exodus chapter 13, we're going to see this passage of Scripture as once again 400 years have passed. They're getting ready to leave Egypt, the Passover and so forth. And it says here in verse 19, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones away hence with you. So the promise was, the children of Israel promised Joseph that his bones would not be left in Egypt. They have been sitting there for 400 years. The right time comes to the very day, 400 years, to the very day that they've been in, in servitude, and God's going to set them free. The Passover is instituted. God has taken care of Egypt with all the plagues, and even though they follow him, they're going to be taken care of there at the Red Sea. But with them as they traveled was the bones of Joseph who said, God will surely visit you, and he will give the land which he gave, promised unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob." Well, just a little side note here, a little rabbit trail. Would you join me in looking at Joshua chapter 24? In Joshua chapter 24, we find out what happened to these bones of our brother. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 32, we have that after the victories in Canaan and the settlement. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 32 The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground, which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became an inheritance of the children of Joseph. So the bones of Joseph were uh, brought out of Egypt. They were carried through the wilderness. They came up, you know, all those folks... 600,000 soldiers, all those folks came up to almost entering into this land, carrying the bones of Joseph, and now, as a result of them bringing back, those ten bringing back an evil report, they're going to be carrying these bones for 38 more years before they cross into the land. So, but, as it's recorded here, the promise was fulfilled, God was gracious, God purposed, God gave them grace to do it, and they brought the bones of Joseph. Now, just another verse that we'd like to look at along this line. Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We have one more verse of scripture we'd like to read with regard to the bones of Joseph. Joseph said, I'm going to die. Don't bury me here. Take my bones with you. We find that they sat in Egypt for about 400 years. They're taken into the the wilderness and they wander there with the children of Israel for 40 years. Then they're taken into the land and they are buried there, as we find recorded there in the book of Joshua. And now we find this statement made in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Chapter 11 and verse 22, this is mentioned here. By faith, Joseph... When he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Now this man, by faith, he knew and understood that what God had to say was going to come to pass. Absolutely, he purposed it. He's going to carry it out. He's not a man like we are that tells lies, but he tells the truth and he's always faithful. God is faithful. So just following that through, we find that Joseph's uh, desire, his command concerning his own body, was carried out. And by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. All right, would you join me uh, going back into the book of Exodus for a few more verses of Scripture along the line that we're looking at? And that is the number of times that God shares with the people that he is going to give them this land. He's going to give it to them. He's not going to hold back. He's not going to uh, debate them and then switch. He's not going to be uh, uh, an advertisement story that isn't fulfilled. He's going to give that. He's promised to give that land to them. Well, here in the book of Exodus, going back to the book of Exodus, and there in the sixth chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 6, we have these words recorded. Verse 7, 8, and 9. And I will take you to be to me for a people, and I'll be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you unto the land concerning that which I swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and i will give it you for a heritage i am the lord and moses spake so unto the children of israel but they hearkened not unto moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage now we notice here that many of them were not capable of believing what moses had to say they just did not believe it well doesn't matter god had promised it to them god has made a promise Let's follow this just a little further. He spoke to Moses there about it in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 25, he brings this subject up again. It's just throughout the scriptures. God is faithful. I have promised it shall come to pass. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 25, And it shall come to pass when you become to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. Now, that's the service of the Passover. But when you get there, the Lord will give it you according to that which he hath promised. And then in Exodus chapter 13, we find here again in this gospel according to Exodus, in chapter 13 and verse 5, God has again spoken, he says, And it shall be when the Lord shall bring, you, uh, bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. So when you get here, here's the description of the promise. This is what you must do when you get there. Keep this service. So, as we follow this a little further, in Exodus chapter 33, in Exodus chapter 33, the subject is brought up again. And in verse 1 and 2 of Exodus 33, The Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up, out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, And I'll drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now, how long this is before they get over there is not that long when this promise was made. But he's listing the people that the uh, ten spies that came back with the evil report said they're the enemy. We can't deal with them. And right here, the Lord has shared with Moses an angel. I will. Go before I'll drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, and in verse three unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. All right, let's follow this just a little further into the into the scriptures. Well I, I need to back up just one little section to Exodus chapter 23. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 27. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 27. I will send my fear before thee and destroy all people to whom thou shalt come and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. Now this is the promise of God before they're going in. And yet, if as we just, it's not that long from this point to where we read in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. It's just a few months, a couple of years. God gave them, he said, I will destroy all the people. And in verse 28, and if you've ever been in a hornet's nest, you know that they can take care and drive you away. And I'll send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, and the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. And I will drive them out from before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. What a statement God has made here. I will drive out them. I will send hornets to drive them out. There's not going to be an issue, a problem here concerning this, and God is faithful. God is going to do what he said he would do, so as we follow this through, we find a little more said. Let's go over here to the book of Numbers, chapter 10. In Numbers, chapter 10, this is brought up again. Numbers, chapter 10, verse 29. The scriptures share this with us. It says, Numbers, chapter 10, verse 29. And Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Reuel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good, for the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. We are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. I will drive him out, I will send hornets, I will take care of it. I promised, I promised Abraham. I promised Isaac, I promised Jacob, I promised the twelve sons, I promised Israel to this day, and here it is. And then we go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and verses 1 and 2. Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And this is where we started this morning as we began this message in Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now this is not just some small itty-bitty person speaking to, uh, to Moses. This is not just some counselor that he had. This is not just some human that he had. This is God Almighty spe- speaking to him. And he said here in verse 2, "Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. I give unto the children of Israel. Now, we know we have an inside track here. If you've ever read this passage of Scripture, the book of Numbers, You know what's going to happen. They're going to come back. They did bring back that wicked report that God cannot do what he said he would do. And uh, uh, we're going to find out in in, uh, the next 38 years, 600,000 footmen are going to die. Families are going to die. They're going to be buried in the wilderness there. And we're going to read something about that in just a few minutes over in the book of Hebrews. But after the fact, after the children of Israel do go into the land under Joshua, after they do defeat Jericho under Joshua, he is the captain of the the army, but he is under the captain of the army of the Lord. He's going to meet him. He's going to visit with him. He's been told to take his shoes off. He's on holy ground. He's visiting with God. God said he'd win the battle here. There's very... Few of all the years that it took them to subdue that land, there's very few that we read that were killed in the battles except at Ai. It appears that God was faithful in all of the rest of that and He gave them the cities. He gave them the cities. Now there was some sweat, there was marching that went on, but we don't read that any cemeteries were filled by those who died in those battles except at Ai. And that's another story that we'll look at. All right, here in the book of Joshua, after the fact, though, after the fact, in retrospect, in looking back after they did come into the land, in the book of Joshua, we find that, that Joshua was the one that God used to take them into the land. His name means Savior, just as we find Jesus' naming Savior. And in Joshua chapter 21 and verse 4, we have this. Passage of Scripture that comforts us in whatever... Excuse me, I'm going to have to go to Joshua 23, verse 1. Joshua 23, verse 1. Joshua chapter 23, 23 verse 1. As we look at this, Verse 1 it says, And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And there in verse 2, And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and their heads and all their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. And in verse 14 of that chapter, And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you, all are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Not one thing. It's mentioned twice in this book. Joshua chapter uh, 21, I was there, I had written down the wrong verse, but here it is in verse 44, uh, verse 43 and verse 44, and the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein, and the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all the enemies before them, and the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Well, that's Joshua's words, and whatever is said today about it, I'm going to stick with Joshua's words, and I'm going to look at one other passage that shares with us many, many years after this, in retrospect again, we find in the book of First Kings chapter 8. In First Kings chapter 8, and verse 56 first kings chapter 8 first kings chapter 8 verse 56 this is the dedication of the temple Solomon said, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest to all his people, all his people Israel, according to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Now this is what Solomon had to say about the matter. Now we do read that God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent hath he said and shall he not do it or hath he spoken and shall it not be made he make it good this is who we are observing in all the passages uh, about god we're talking about the sovereign king the sovereign ruler the sovereign blesser the one who can promise and has the power to fulfill that promise well, we come here in the book of Numbers and we find out that there are 10 leaders of Israel and they represented 80%. 80% of those who were sinning came back with what is known as an evil report, a wicked report. And what is a wicked report? That's a bad report about God that he cannot do what he said he would do. That is a wicked report. That's an evil report And natural man is filled with that kind of report. Join me if you would. And what what is the problem then? What is the real problem that was faced over there in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, when 12 spies were sent into the land? And then we'll read that there were two of them that stood up and said, God is able, God is able, God is able. And 10 of them says, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. Well, who's right in the matter? God is faithful. That's his promise. He will be faithful. Well, here in the, turn with me if you would to the book of Hebrews. Once again in the book of Hebrews, we have much said here. Book of Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10, 11 and 12. It says here, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation. Now, he's making comment here about what we just read over in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Why can't they enter into the the Lord's rest? Because they're not the Lord's. They have no heart for the Lord. They've not been given a heart of the Lord. The Lord did not give them a heart to believe. Let's look at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. That is the issue here of unbelief. Natural man does not believe God. Natural man does not believe God's word. Natural man does not believe God's ways. Natural man does not believe about God. They have gods, but they do not know this God. And then if you drop down to verse 17, 18, and 19, it says, But with whom was I grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That's the problem that these ten have and we're going to find out that there's a whole bunch among the rest of the folks that have the same attitude towards the Lord. They have the same attitude towards the Lord's word. They have the same attitude towards the Lord's salvation. They believe not. It is a natural thing to not believe God. It takes the grace of God to overcome that. We what an opportunity was presented to express a positive free will. If man had a free will, here is the opportunity to express it in a positive sense. But we actually see what free will does. It is in bondage. The bondage of the will. Ah, uh, We will not choose God. We will not choose anything about God. We will choose our own way. Because of unbelief. What an opportunity they had. What an opportunity they had to show all these people that believe in free will. of, They could choose freely God, but they did not because they could not choose freely God. They choose freely unbelief. The issue, they could do nothing about what they did. In the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 29 and verse 4, jump back there and then we're coming back here uh, to uh, Hebrews in a little while. But in Deuteronomy chapter 29 is a verse of scripture that is worth pondering because here's the key to the whole matter. In Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 4, here's why they did not have a good report. This is why they brought back an evil report. Even though it was a land that flowed with milk and honey, and they could see all of the rich blessings that God had said would be there. You know, these are the same folks that crossed the Red Sea. These are the same folks who are going to see many miracles of God, and still it did not change their heart one bit. Here in the book of Numbers, chapter or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine. Verse 4, yet the Lord hath not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear unto this day. That is the issue. They did not have a heart. They did not have eyes. They did not have ears that were towards God. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. These people believe that God was unable to do what he said he would do. That their entering in was of the power of God and not themselves. That is how we enter in. It's not of ourselves. We do the same thing that these folks did. Now listen to Caleb as he tried and cried on the behalf of the power of God in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. Notice here, in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30 we have these words from Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And the men that went up said, No, we can't. Well, turn with me to next chapter of the book of Numbers, and we'll be covering this again a little less rapid. But in Numbers chapter 14, verse 7, And they speak, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land, and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, For they are bread for us, their defense is departed from them, the Lord is with us, fear them not. That's a believer speaking, that's Caleb speaking, that's the one that went over and came back and had a report, only rebel not against the Lord. Now in chapter 14, the same chapter, and verse uh, verse 24, let's read that verse of scripture. God says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, there's the key, God had visited him with the new birth, God had given him salvation, God had brought the gospel to him. My servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. And in the same chapter in verse 30, it says here, Doubtless ye shall not uh, come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell. Therein save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. We've got two here that are going to go into the land. Two spies that came back with a report that God is able. You know what? They could have never been a spy. They could have never went over there and visited that land. And they just still said, we can do it. They went over there and saw it and saw how wonderful it was and all of God's promises. And they came back and says, we can do it. God is with us. All right. In the book of Numbers chapter uh, uh, chapter uh, 26, would you turn there with me? Numbers chapter, uh, excuse me, don't, don't leave chapter 14 for just a second. Verse 38 of chapter 14 but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunah which were the men that went to search the land lived still. All right. Now, if you go with me to Numbers chapter 26, this subject is going to be brought up again about these two that were faithful to God. Why? Cuz God had given them faith. The faith of God's elect is what they had. In Numbers chapter 26 and verse 65, the sh- the Bible shares this for the Lord had said of them, They shall surely die in the wilderness. And they, there was not left a man of them save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Dun. These all died in unbelief. That's what Hebrews says. They died in unbelief. And in chapter, chapter uh, 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 32 and verse 12, Numbers chapter 32 and verse 12. Again, this is brought up. And it says there, Save Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite and Joshua the son of Nun. For they have wholly followed the Lord. How can you do that? How can you wholly follow the Lord? It wasn't their efforts. It was God's effort in them. God's work in them. It's the only way we can truly follow Him is he, he has given us that grace his grace, He followed completely. He's given us, He's imputed to us that righteousness. He followed com- completely. It's the only way that we can truly follow the Lord is because He has drawn us with His Holy Spirit. He draws us, He brings us along. He's given us that, that very blessing to look to Him. The fruit of the, sp- the Spirit, faith, faith. Well, as we follow through, we find that Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that could go in you know, the scriptures tell us that they. what can overcome the natural rebellion towards God by natural man, what can overcome that? Only God. Only God. He had given Joshua and Caleb that, a new spirit, a different spirit, a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And they were faithful in their house. Only God can do this. Natural man is unable To push off this natural rebellion. Romans, it tells us to be carnally minded is death. In Romans chapter 8. We're not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The the carnal mind, the carnal. And flesh cannot please God. The flesh cannot please God. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we find exactly how God does his business. He took care of all these things before the foundation of the world. He predestinated us. He purposed us. He purposed Joshua and Caleb. You know what? He also purposed the rest. He has an elect, and the rest he hardens. We find in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, and I just want to go there and read a couple of verses before we close this morning. We find that The gospel has been preached unto them as well well as unto us. Here in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we have some of this brought out, Ephesians chapter 2. The scriptures share these wonderful truths. You cannot enjoy the book of Ephesians chapter 2 if you have not been able to enjoy Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. So this is how Joshua and Caleb were able to be different. It's not what they did. They didn't reform to get this quality. They didn't study scripture to get this quality. They didn't go to church to get this quality. It was given by God. God had given this in salvation in the new birth. God deals with the real problem among men. Left to a themselves left to ourselves they'll not turn aside to god god must be the first cause in all things and that his first cause must be involved in the salvation of his people for unto us was the gospel preached hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it they had the gospel preached unto them just like it's being preached today No doubt there are are those even here in this congregation that will walk out today and say, I don't believe it. Unbelief is a death knell. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, For by it the elders obtained, excuse me, in chapter 11, verse 1, I need to get there before I mess that up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says here, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you try to describe that in yourself, you can't do it. We just don't have that faith. It's God-given faith. And then in verse 2 it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Joshua and Caleb obtained a good report as, because of faith. The ten spies did only what they could do, for they did not have the faith of God's elect. And there in Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Now those folks that came back, they just could not believe what had been said from generation to generation, what had been said to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the 12 tribes, and then through the wilderness wanderings of those two years up to the time they got there. And then they came back with a report, the only one that they could truly see, and that is, God is not faithful. The only ones that realize that God is faithful is the church. And we have that represented by Joshua and Caleb. They came back with a good report. They're the only ones of that generation that was able to go into the promised land. They crossed the Red Sea and glorified God in it. They got water from the rock and glorified God in it. They got manna from heaven and quail from heaven and glorified God. Bunch of complainers, the rest of them were, but these two glorified God. Not to say that there weren't others. Moses, Aaron, uh, Miriam, others that glorified God. And yet, only those that knew God could go in. He's the one that said, And now when we apply that to spiritual things, God has made all the promises, all promises, and only the church can say, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. We're going to stop there for for this morning. We trust that you will receive a blessing. We pray that you would uh, pray for us here. And uh, Lord, helping us, we'll pray for you. May God bless you.